0: Join Hans and Scotty Friday from noon to 3 as Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will really be live in studio to discuss an FDA approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, no surgery, no needles. Chris Cameroni covers you for the Athletic coming love up in about 20 dude. minutes. Needs uh, a haircut, but I love him. <laughs> he tends to he tends to get it all at once. He doesn't tend to just like take off an inch or two. He's take it all the way off. And then he grows it right back out in about three so,
1: weeks. So, when you say take it all the way off. The hair. When you say, g- like Las Vegas showgirls, no. when you say take it all the way no, off. No, that's
0: not how I was saying it. I was saying that he gets a
1: major haircut. and PK, take it off, there baby. There it is. Now if I had a dollar for every time I've had that request. You'd have a dollar. I look hot in leather. What can I say?
0: So the question, Utes, to the playoff. Should we be more positive and upbeat about their chances? I hope so. First off, the people who say you're blue to the bone because basically you're a cougar and you don't want them to go, that's ridiculous. A, you didn't grow up here, going to the bus stop, getting in some brawl over some kid who rooted for the other team. You're an ASU fan. And B, once you've been doing this long enough, you want the locals to win. Rose Bowl playoffs, NBA finals, bring it. Winning is more fun to cover than losing,
1: period. Well, but then, yeah, but we win either way then. Because if the Pac-12 winner goes to the playoff, then the loser goes to the Rose Bowl. Sweet! So why would you be complaining about the Rose Bowl?
0: Not complaining about the yeah, Rose Bowl. You love win it.
1: either way. We all win. I've been to the Rose Bring Bowl. Bring it in.
0: I've been to the Rose Bowl, the stadium, multiple times. I've never been to Rose Bowl, the game. I have. You have. I would love to cover a Rose Bowl. I agree. So we could sit here and spray sunshine all day long and tell you, yeah, the Utes are definitely in. But honestly, I think there's like four or five things have to happen. They're, they do not control their own destiny. And I know nobody controls their own destiny. I think destiny. there's three things. I don't want to go to metaphysical here. Really, what would
1: you like to have happen? Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma
0: all have to lose.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm assuming Clemson, if, Ohio and, State. And I was going to say, and LSU you need you need Ohio State too. That's the fourth thing. You need Ohio State to win out.
1: Well, I'm assuming that's going to happen. We got to have some assumption. I can't have 57 things, and it becomes too mind boggling. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, then the, if there's that many things that need to be hap- that need to happen, there's no point in discussing it yet. So you have to have basic if an, assumptions. If an
0: undefeated or one-loss Minnesota beats Ohio State, because I feel the same way about no one, Ohio State no you feel about LSU. Think that. I don't yeah. think that either. Right. But you'd still need
1: it to happen. And I think it will happen. Right. So, but yeah, so put those three aside. So you're basically playing. Can at least we agree on most likely that we're playing for one berth here? One berth is open.
0: Because the SEC champ is in, the Big Ten champ is in, and the ACC champ is in.
1: Right. And those three look like they're going to continue on. And LSU could actually take a loss because they have four major wins. Right. So playing for one bid, I don't trust the committee. It has nothing to do with Utah. It has stuff to do on multiple levels with the Pac-12. There isn't the respect for the Pac-12, nor should there be this year. The Pac twelve is a weak league this year. That has nothing to do with Utah. It is a weak league. You needed Washington right now to be eight and two, not six and four. Or SC to be eight and two, not six and four. And that's your logical candidates. Yes, Washington State, uh, Stanford. They were the and maybe two Arizona State. They were the two who
0: were picked to finish yeah. second behind right. Utah, and Oregon. Right, and they're not. And really they're not, they're
1: both six and four, holding up their end of the and deal. One guy's probably going to get fired. So it's more an indictment on the conference. Now I hate Utah. There's no doubt about it. Oh stop. Let's put that out there. You do not. If I'm choosing one, I'm choosing God's team. Who wouldn't <laughs> when you think about it? Okay, so when you get
0: the blowback on Twitter, when you turn your notifications <laughs> on again now, just know that the first time it wasn't fair, and the second time you basically begged for it. Punch me! Punch yes. me
1: in the shoulder, dude! A- asking for it. It's the homie. Dude! dude. Home- bro. Recess is almost over. Punch me in the shoulder. My friends, and I call you my friends because you are. There's a reason why you've tuned in for 18 years. I mean, come on. This is it. I'm going to screw around and have fun as we be serious, right? And I think everybody knows I'm messing around with that. So I am concerned that these other three teams are going to supersede the Pac-12. It has nothing to do with Utah, whether it's Oregon. Because, I I mean, it's going to be a whale of a ball game. I I think Oregon-Utah is the best matchup we've had since the expansion in 2011. I bought my tickets in August, long before you people. So don't tell me I don't believe in Utah. I put my money where my mouth is. Bought them in August so I can actually save money. Went to Scotty and said, here's what's going to happen. Let me buy them now. And we'll save money. Yep, let's do it. So I've had these reservations for two months. So to say I don't believe in Utah, come on. And if you knew about relationships, you would say, well, yeah. Obviously, he's got a bias toward Utah, not against Utah. So... People have no idea
0: how much Kyle, Gary, and Kalani all like you, and they should. I'm a hell of a guy. <laughs> I have stood next to you and watched them not look at everybody's little buddy, branded by David Locke years ago, but look at you and start joking with you. Well, six to eight to ten media members stand there. So I'm just, you're their favorite.
1: I'm nervous. You are that the teacher to be pet. rewarded, and I've got no problem with that. I've earned that. I'm nervous that this conference is not going to get rewarded. That was the whole point of what I wrote. So let's take your name, your face,
0: and the emotion out of it. Okay. And let's go to the numbers. Sweet. It's exactly what I go to all the time. (laughs) So there are a couple people out there who crunch the numbers all the time. I'm one of them. If you put a percentage chance on the Utes of this working out, the Utes win and take care of business. These last three, then they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. And these other schools you're concerned about, the committee picking the, picking over the Utes, that they, you know, the results go the way they need to go to knock these teams down a notch. Uh-huh. What If you put a number on the likelihood that the Utes would end up in there, just your gut instinct, and then I'll tell you what the national people who crunch numbers for every school think.
1: Well, what I think is going to happen, this is my own mm-hmm. personal opinion, yeah. just Joe's opinion here. One guy right. is Oklahoma's going to get that bid because Oklahoma's going to win out, and they're going to look at the losses. Utah, say let's say, and let's hope Utah wins out. That'd be great because mm-hmm. then minimally I'm going to the Rose Bowl. And you think you folks actually think I'm <laughs> unhappy to go to the Rose Bowl? You're absolutely ridiculous. I think they're going to look at it. Utah lost to SC third-string quarterback. Oklahoma's lost to Kansas State, which has been ranked a good portion of the season. Mm-hmm. Who you choosing? Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and honestly, I just so think... Oklahoma you... is the team that worries me the most. Yeah. Whether so, it's Oregon or Utah. Okay, so... So I would say there's probably about a 70% chance so that's going to happen. So
0: 538 and ESPN.com, two people, these are two organizations, this is what they, they can crunch numbers with the best of them. 538 has all the teams ranked with their odds of uh, winning their conference, the odds of them making their playoff, and the odds of winning the national title. Mm-hmm. For Utah, they give them a thirty-five percent chance of winning the conference, and they give Oregon only
1: thirty-five. Huh? Mm-hmm,
0: they give Oregon a sixty-one percent chance. Ooh. At least four percent out there. I assume that's Utah stumbles and USC wins. I it. got it. Okay. They give Oregon a thirty-six percent chance of getting the playoffs. They give the Utes twenty-two percent. Now that's a fifty-eight percent chance for the Pac-12 to make it at twelve and one. Most leagues at twelve and one to be a slam dunk. 58%. It be. But it's still better than 50 50, which I got to admit, guessing going into this, I would think the conference has about a one in three chance of getting in. But these guys do it. They run 10,000 simulations, and those are the numbers they come they up with. They only run
1: 5,000 simulations. <laughs>
0: so, to your point about uh, these other schools, you said Georgia, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Mm-hmm. Your gun instinct, spot on. They put Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, and Oregon is the fourth best shot according to them at thirty six percent. And then they say Georgia at thirty-two, Oklahoma at twenty-nine, Utah at twenty-two, and Bam at fifteen. They think Bam is in
1: real trouble after that LSU loss. So but they got Well, they, they won't be a conference titleist. Right. And I think conference if you win your conference, which obviously we're picking Oregon or Utah, that you should get in. And with the exception at twelve and one, you
0: should get in. With the exception of Clemson everybody else not only gets the 13th game, the extra data point, as they like to say, in the 13th game, but everybody else is going to get it against a high-quality opponent. LSU-Georgia,
1: Ohio State-Minnesota. I would question Ohio State-Minnesota. We'll see what happens. See if Minnesota has two losses by then?
0: Yeah. If Iowa and Wisconsin get them? Correct. Which is possible. Right. Now... 538, they're the optimistic ones. ESPN's playoff predictor, the Utes right now, don't have the 7th best odds. They have the ninth best odds. And they say it's only a 7% chance that Utah's going to the playoff. And this should not surprise you because you all watch games on ESPN and they'll run the odds on the ticker. And the last time I saw them, it said 6%. So right.
1: I guess well, after this bye week, he got I updated. Wrote what I wrote was Monday night after I watched the whole freaking show. Yeah. Tuesday night. I mean Tuesday night.
0: Tuesday night after. No,
1: they gave me a preview on Monday. Oh, you were, you're PK, no, and PK screwed up. You and Rob Collins Tuz- are buddies? T- Tuesday night, you're right. Tuesday night, I watched the whole th- I sat down at five o'clock. The whole intent, my Tuesday evening was planned out to have it done before the jazz game. Right. So from five o'clock, and what time did jazz game start? Watch the show, write hey. the column, watch the jazz yeah. game. Yeah. So I had the whole work night planned out from 5 o'clock on. I literally ate dinner before. So I'm an old man. I ate it at 4.30. <laughs> <laughs> early bird special, no, baby. Gospel mm. truth
0: here. Tremendous My wife Seinfeld. can back it up. Tremendous Seinfeld episode. Early, uh, I, I, know, I know which one you're talking That's about. A great one. But, I
1: mean, this is what I planned out. We ate dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon so I could be free from 5 o'clock on.
0: Now. To the people who think that you're overselling the whole Alabama thing, and now they have 538 to back it up and attack you with that, ESPN.com has Ohio State 89% chance of getting in the playoff, LSU at 87, Clemson at 82. The three teams we think are pretty much locks. They think are pretty much locks, too. Bama next at 40%. ESPN still says, ESPN.com still says Bama's got a great chance of getting in. Oregon's next at 32, Georgia at 25, Oklahoma at 11, Penn State at 11, and the Utes at 7% chance. The Utes' ninth best odds. Then why all the personal attacks? (laughs) (laughs) Because they want to hear what they want to hear, and they want to hear that the Utes are excellent, and the country knows that, and will recognize and reward them properly. And while there is a chance that can happen, I see it being labeled as a 7% and a 22% chance by the number crunchers at 538 and ESPN.com. And you can Google those and go online and check the numbers for yourself. As a matter of fact, I'll tweet out links to them, and you can go pore over them and stare at them and think, yeah, Penn State's got an 11% chance, but they're going to lose to Ohio State, and that's going to prove the Utah's." odds.
1: Then why do I get it? the Utah media is such a joke? Any other state would be filled with sports journalists pulling for the teams if they were in Utah shoes, regardless of which school it is. PK is a
2: pack. A hack.
0: I think that's not true because I think John Canzano in Oregon is saying a lot of the same stuff about the conference and scheduling and the odds, and he's probably getting a lot of tweets like that. But, Yak, we can call him and get him on the show. And he out. fills his diaper with his usual uninformed drivel. He's come on the show before when he wrote the big thing on the Pac-12 Network. Yes, he's he not only came on the show, he listened to other interviews we did. He was doing his homework. That guy is all in. Yeah, we'll see if we can get him. He's and hard, he'll remember. He's a hard guy to lock down. But he is, because he's really busy. We'll see what we can do. He's across in Oregon between Gordon and PK. We
1: have way more clowns like PK.
0: Yeah, well. It, it.
1: Thankfully, Tom Wharton. My guy, Tom Wharton. Tribune, outdoors. Send, send in preps. the clowns. Sports journalists don't pull for the teams. Not in the job description. Sorry. <laughs> Tom's been around forever. He's a great dude. I met
0: him hiking with Reese Stein, I think. I think that's what we were doing. Tom's a good dude. Yep. Seen and out I... I outdoors guys hanging together.
1: If I don't have an apology in the next break, I'm done. Yeah, but
0: then you won't be here to talk to Chris Cameroni about getting a haircut. Oh, you know I, you want to do that. I text him daily. Chris Cameroni, youth writer for The Athletic. will get his thoughts on the playoff. Coming up next, DJ and PK stay with us.
2: And now, Top of the Wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Jazz are off last night and again tonight. They're back at it Friday in Memphis, 6 o'clock. Listen to it on The Zone. In the Western Conference last night, Houston beat the Clippers 102-93. to The Spurs lost to the Timberwolves 129-114. to The Trailblazers dropped to 4-8. and Raptors beat them 114-106. to The Memphis Grizzlies, the Jazz' next opponent, beat the Hornets 119-117. to BYU got a big three-pointer from Jake Toulson to beat Southern Utah 68-63. Toulson Wilson led the Cougars with a game-high 22 points. Tonight, Weber State hosts USD at the D Event Center at 7 o'clock. Thursday night football features the Steelers at the Browns. You can listen to that one right here on The Zone starting at 620. It's on Fox and the NFL Network. Job of the Wire, brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking.
2: This this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want.
0: True championship level teams have aspects of their game that they can lean on. If I could build any aspect of a game that I could lean on, I've got a base run game that opens up all kinds of offensive formulas, and I've got a base run stop defense that's number one in the country, and I've got a loss that already woke me up against USC. If it happens again against UCLA, I'm throwing my hands up and saying I don't know what to tell you. Because this is a championship-level team, and they decided they were going to sleep on a week that determined everything. A Pac-12 championship, a potential representation at the college football playoff. It's all right there for them to get. If they're sleeping on it and they let a poor UCLA team beat them, I'm going
2: to be disgusted. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: Join Scotty and Hands Monday, November 18th from noon to 3. They're going to be at My Hearing Centers in Sandy at 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. DJ and PK, it is time now to bring in Chris Camrani, Utah Youth rider for The Athletic. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Chris, good morning.
3: Good morning, guys. Unlike John Canzano, I'm very easy to get a hold of. So whenever you guys need me, just have Jake send me a text and I'm there for you. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Well, we do need you here.
0: You know all the debates about they've been raging on about the Utes and can they win out? Can they win the conference? Can they get to the playoff? How much do you hear from Ute fans about that? And what kind of things do you hear from Ute fans about that if you are hearing from them?
3: Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag at this point. Weirdly, I think, uh, David, you and I had this discussion with Kurt Cragthorpe the other day about would fans maybe be more enticed by the Rose Bowl versus the college football playoff. And I'm still kind of interested in that dynamic from a fan standpoint. I, I, I honestly wonder would fans rather get to that number four spot and face an LSU in Atlanta or would they rather go to a Rose Bowl and play a Minnesota or a Penn State? I wouldn't be surprised if it's like fifty-five, forty-five. Either way, I think I think the the longer Utah stays in the in the hunt in the college football playoff rankings at like seven or eight, if they're within striking distance, I think fans might kind of sway towards you know dreaming about the college football possibilities, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there's just so much football left to be played. And to be fair, I know the Pac-12 South is down. Utah hasn't even clinched its spot to Levi Stadium yet. Even though I know PK bought his flight on Allegiant Air a couple months ago, I think I think we just kind of have to wait and see.
1: Cochise Airlines, buddy. At <laughs> least It's a knockoff of
0: Allegiant. <laughs> it's a knockoff of a knockoff. <laughs> I'll just have you know that for saying 55-45, if the wrong people heard that, your timeline is going to fill up. They do not believe their Ute fans want to go to the Rose Bowl. And uh, I my notifications looked like PK's notifications when that came up on Talking Sports.
1: Yeah, so Chris, why don't you believe that the Utes are going to make the playoff?
3: I just think there's a lot of work that has to be done outside of the walls of the Eccles Football Center. I think Utah can beat the next few teams by 50 points and go to Levi's and and beat an Oregon team and still potentially be left out. I just think there's, as as Kyle Whittingham likes to say, uh, control what you can control. And Utah has no control over what some of the best college football programs in the country have uh, to do over the next few weeks. So I, I think right now the Rose Bowl is obviously much more of a possibility than the than the playoff. Obviously, the playoff is still in play. Utah is still ranked number seven. But as you guys were saying, you know, the previous segment, there are teams that are vying for that fourth spot that could conceivably jump Utah because of the quote-unquote eye test, because of the strength of schedule, because of all the catchphrases, blah, 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 we hear from the college football playoff committee. So, that's kind of where I stand right now. Now, that might change in the next couple of weeks, but we just have to wait and see.
1: Looking at these next three games, I just don't see there's any way that the Utes lose. And I know that there's, well, they've lost games in the past. Yeah, but I don't think that they've had this team in the past in November. So, in my mind, they're definitely going 3-0. and zero.
3: I, I mean, I, I agree. I think at a full, a full strength Utah team should easily win these next three games but um, that's me as an outsider obviously the, the UCLA Bruins will, will give some fits I think just because Dorian Thompson Robinson is a quarterback that Utah really hasn't seen this year but if they can make UCLA one dimensional they, they should be fine uh, Khalil Tate in the desert even if he's playing half of the snaps I think he's still a, a possibility to, to make some plays down the field with his feet or with his arm but Arizona has the worst defense in the conference and Colorado even though they just beat a bad Stanford team I, I just think at home I don't think he would he would see a senior class of this stature allow themselves to lose on senior day which would bring ourselves to Levi Stadium um, and see what happens I, I, I agree with you PK I think this Utah Oregon potential matchup would be the best Pac-12 championship matchup in a very long time um, and, and, and obviously the, the implications go beyond who gets to raise the conference trophies so that that would make for that Friday night being a, a pretty enticing evening in the Bay Area.
0: Chris Camrani joining us here, Utes Rider for the Athletic. Now, you know, the Kyle will say among the many lines, you know, it's the whole one game at a time thing. we got to go 1-0 and o this week. You know, that's what we control. So, most of the fan base, and to be honest, most of the media is taking them three or four games at a time right now. <laughs> What is the thing that we are overlooking? Even if it's not a big thing, what is the thing we are overlooking?
3: From a Utah standpoint?
0: Yeah, from the Utah fan slash media standpoint, as we take them three or four at a time and make a bunch of assumptions about them
3: mm, going 11-1, 12-1. Yeah.
0: yeah,
3: I guess the easy answer would be that you know you have to go out and win these games, and if history is any indication – just because you're the favorite, especially in the Pac-12 conference, it doesn't mean that you're a in to you know leave the field as victors. So it's it's such a broken record. It's such a cliche. I know Kyle would be very proud of me to say it's one game at a time, but it, it it it's permeated throughout the team too. I mean, you heard Tyler Huntley the other night after practice. These guys aren't really necessarily buying into themselves at this point. I think that's a that's a good thing. That's a sign of a team that has you know, things on the horizon that they want to accomplish and I, I think you look at last year's finish, that goes a very long way for this team considering they got so close, undermanned down their two best offensive players, I guess three offensive players since since Britton Covey towards ACL the first play of the second half in that championship game. And I think that's just a, a motivating factor and the, and they know that while they've they've gone eight and one, they still have stuff to do and I, I, I think that any, any sign of a good team is taking on the personality of its head coach, and that's another cliche, but I think these guys are as much of a Kyle Whittingham team as we've seen in his 15 years now at Utah.
1: So you speak surprises individually in the team. To me, there's really nothing that surprised me defensively. They were billed to be good, and they're good. And so they fulfilled what they're supposed to do, and I think they'll continue to do that. I'd be surprised if I Did if I saw otherwise offensively I think that they're better than uh, what we expected and as I look at it as I'm trying to say what is this what was a little bit more that I didn't expect if they're better than I expected that means some guys had to play better than we thought right if you can follow this logic I'm trying to create here (laughs) so my thought is that there's two areas on the offense that are better than I expected. Huntley is playing better than I expected. He's playing at all world level, and the receivers collectively have been a little bit better than I thought they would do. Would you agree, disagree, add, subtract, what?
3: Yeah, I, I think when we look back at this season, I think for me we'll see and we'll think about what Andy Ludwig was able to do with Tyler Huntley and, really help him take that next necessary step in terms of becoming a complete quarterback. And now Tyler was asked to do things under Troy Taylor, um, and that means running the ball as much as 20 times a game. So it shouldn't be a surprise in retrospect that Tyler was banged up in the middle or the end of the last couple of seasons. Andy Ludwig isn't asking Tyler to do that. And And it's really interesting because I remember a couple years ago talking to Tyler's coaches down in Florida and... They, they told me, they said, Tyler's a pocket guy. Like Just because he can get out and run and make plays with his feet, he doesn't necessarily want to. And I think what Andy Ludwig has been able to do, what Troy Taylor wasn't able to do, was to, to say, hey, I know you can make plays with your feet and you can throw the ball on the run, but stay in there. And if you can stay in there, we know you can make the throws. And that's what Tyler's been able to do. That's what he's been asked to do this year, and he's done so at a very impressive clip. Um, In terms of the receivers, I I agree. I think they were, along with the offensive line, probably the two biggest question marks for me coming into fall camp and coming out of fall camp. But the fact that these receivers are playing at such a high level that they're not having the the drops that they had last year, that they're doing this without Britton Covey, I think speaks to what Guy Holiday and those guys have been able to do. And it speaks to what Andy Ludwig's offense is. It's very democratic. There is no star player. It's whoever's open, Tyler, get them the ball. And that even you know goes beyond into the tight ends and, and running backs coming out of the backfield as well. But that, that Washington game, that last drive, was kind of emblematic of, of what this offense is and what Kyle wanted. You can run the ball. You can keep drives going. And then when you have to, you have a quarterback who can make very difficult throws on the money down and and Tyler did that three times in a row
0: so do you think then that uh, just following up on what you said there about Andy's talk with Tyler probably talks multiple do you think Andy coming in and what he did schematically with the X's and O's was more important or listen to you I think it's more the attitude he built with Tyler and the expectations of him from the get-go and the mentality that's been a bigger factor
3: no I think I think it's both to be honest with you I I mean I think what we saw last year once this Utah offense got going it was when they realized that hey we have Zach Moss let's run Zach Moss and then allow the the throwing game to kind of complement the running game and that's when that October this offense exploded and they won those games before Tyler got hurt at ASU I think what Andy's been able to do is he's just been able to give this offense an identity and built it around its best players. And its best players are Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. And now you have complementary players around them, the receivers and the tight ends, and the other running backs that do their job. So, I mean, it, I guess it's not rocket science. It's It's giving Tyler an option to always find someone open. And I think... What stands out for me about this offense, even watching it from above, even though I have no, nothing close to a coordinator's eye, it seems like every throwing down, there's at least one person open for at least three to six yards. Whereas the last few years, it felt like it was either nine yards or no yards. And I think that's kind of the brilliance of what Andy's been able to do is he's been able to get guys open whether that, that means he's running certain routes into certain areas of coverage to pull defenders away, he's just been able to do a phenomenal job of, of getting these guys on the same page when it counts, if that makes sense.
1: we got to wait because it's not going to be for another few weeks, but I am extremely excited about Oregon and Utah if, and I expect it to come to pass, Means nothing, but what the heck? really? What does sports radio mean when you boil it down? Give us an early handicap.
3: Like a Vegas line?
1: No, nah, just what you think about that game. What are your what are your initial impressions?, yeah. knowing we're still a few weeks away?
3: Sure. I, I guess Oregon's defense is better than it was last year, and they returned quite a bit of guys that was that were on that team that came to Salt Lake last year and lost to Utah when Utah had Jason Shelley and Armand Shine in the backfield which I guess can also play into the, the motivational role for Utah, knowing that they beat a pretty good team at home without their two best offensive players. But I guess you could also argue that it could motivate Oregon, considering they didn't play that well at all. Uh, but they didn't have Panay Sewell at left tackle, who's probably one of the top ten players in college football. The, uh, the, the kid from St. George, can, hopefully he's healthy for that game. He will be there, and that will probably be Bradley and I's biggest test of the year. I, I mean, I think it would be a great game. I want to believe it would be a great game. I hope it's nothing like last year's game. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess I can – you guys know me as a cynic. I, I'm going to go with the the optimistic route, and I'm going to say I hope it's a great game.
0: Chris, as always, we appreciate the time. Thank you for making yourself constantly available to us.
3: I'm just one text message away.
0: <laughs> the Athletic – Chris Camerani covering the University of Utah football team. Chris, thanks Hey, Chris, Chris.
1: Did he hang up? No, he hang
0: up. Uh, yeah. It's all right. Jake already picked him up. Okay. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You listen to Chris there, your thoughts, your reaction. We will get to all of that next. And got some discussion going. Let's go, people. Yak has got something he wants to give away. So we got free stuff on the other side, too. We'll do that next. Stay
2: with us. Hey yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Single Bell! Joe Ingalls gives it back to Joe
1: till the cop slams it in.
2: And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. FANDEX! This is the Joe Ingalls Show. (coughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to welcome in Joe Ingalls. The Joe Ingalls Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, you need to go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Joe, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Joe? I'm good. I just dropped
4: my daughter at school. Um, I'm heading into practice.
0: So you guys have a nice little run going here, eight and three to open the season. Does that change Quinn at all, or is he just the same relentless (laughs) detailer guy with four bits of film to show whether you won by five, lost by five, one by ten, lost by ten?
4: Yeah, I think you you guys, and I think everyone listening knows the answer to that. Um, No, Quinn... Quinn's the same coach, um, like you said, win or lose, um, win by fifty, lose by fifty. He, he's the same, and uh, I think that's what makes him so good at what he does is um, kind of that relentless um, focus, I guess, on on the little things. Like uh, I, mean, we've spoken about uh, win. By 20, there's there's things we can work on if we win by one, there's things we can work on, and vice versa for, for losing as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's been solid so far. I would say I think there is still still things we can work on. Um, I think we'll continue to get better. I think one of the good things is, um, especially the last couple of years, these kind of close games, um, the back to back stuff like that. Earlier in the year, we were we were losing the last couple of years. So be able to get some, some early wins and um, not be losing those close ones even when we're not playing at our, our best is is really good um, kind of level that we're, we're playing at
1: So you missed all your shots the other night but obviously your defense against Kyrie Irving was a difference maker, Quint Snyder pointed it out he said that he went to you before the game and told you about that how much personal satisfaction can you take knowing that you had a significant factor, played a significant factor in the team winning the game defensively even though you didn't make a shot
4: Oh, well, I had to try and do something, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
4: no, it's uh, and that's the, I guess, the hard part for fans and things like that is they they see, especially me. I, I think who's who's always kind of been 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 shooting reasonably well and, and made shots and, and kind of done that the last few years. Where, um, especially this year, obviously the start of the year, I've been shooting terribly um, offensively. I just don't have a, a rhythm or it's just a little bit off, whatever, whatever you want to say, but uh, obviously still like I said, and, and, and we're still winning games, which is great, which is, which is at the end of the day is all, is all I care about. Right. Um, do I want to play better? Of course I want to play better offensively, but, um, I would be a lot more upset and, and disappointed and frustrated if we were losing games too, uh, as well as me playing bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, Quinn's spoken to me numerous times about it to to never worry about that end, and um, that was what he spoke to me five, six years ago about when I when I wanted to get on the court. My first couple of years was to play defense, and um, I think for me, it's there's going to be nights that I go over six, and there's going to be nights that I make shots. But if I can be steady and really solid on the defensive end, and, and take those those challenges of of Kyrie one night, um, next game. Depending on who, who it is or, or who's going, uh, who's playing well, um, take those challenges and, and, like I said, obviously help the team in some way to, to win the game. And um, I know that's it's probably like a little bit different because, especially the last couple of years, I've me and Donovan have had so much of the ball in our hands offensively that that's what people got used to. I think with me is if I'm not having assists or scoring or, or shooting threes, then I've, then, I've or then I'm playing bad all of a sudden. Um, I'm glad I've got a coach like Quinn and an organization like do because um, yeah I'm, I'm going to help the team in, in whatever way I can and, and obviously the other night it was on the defensive end because the other end we could have put you out there and it would have been better
1: I would have made that layup <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was one of those days huh? <laughs>
0: You know, I think uh, in all seriousness, although this sounds weird, this is where you're, um, it's a good thing to whatever degree you care about what people think, uh, but to whatever degree you do, it's a good thing that you're in a town like this where the jazz are so important and they're front and center all the time, because we can talk about it on the air, and we did. And yet I think some Jazz fans already knew it even before we said it. Kyrie Irving, who is a wildly talented player, who is offensively elite, he was 2-for-11 in the fourth quarter. And maybe a little fortunate there because guys who are as good as him, sometimes you defend him perfectly, and they just make contested sure. shots anyway. They just do. There's no, you know, they just rise up and stick it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But he's 2-for-11 in the fourth quarter, and you're not the only guy who covered him. So other guys deserve credit too. But I think people do walk away thinking, hey, Kyrie was 2-for-11. That was awfully good.
4: Yeah, uh, I think we've got the very intelligent fans too. I think they understand the game. I think they understand the, the style that we play. They understand Quinn and what what we're trying to do, and um, that's obviously a, a good thing because you don't <laughs> you want know, your fans um, frustrated or, or upset at your team. But uh, I think with our fans, they they know how we're trying to play, what we want to do. Um, I was the, the fans that have been with us kind of since. Especially since Quinn's Quinn's kind of era, they they know how Quinn wants to coach and how to play. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's a tough one because I guess you you obviously care about the fans and what they think, but the, the flip side of that, you don't want to be sitting there reading every every comment or, or um, remark that's made about you because for, for some guys it, it, it could um, I guess make you overthink what you're doing and that. Like I opened my Twitter the next morning and had a million people saying that I sucked because I didn't make a shot. <laughs> like, well, that's great but
3: we won the game
4: and um, like you said, i got to, to, to play a part in, in trying to slow down Kyrie and obviously Royce was a big part of that. Rudy's a huge part of that but between me and Royce, um, just kind of tag teaming and going back and forth and you just try and make it as difficult as you can on a guy like that for, for 48 minutes and I think between the two of us and then Rudy contesting at the rim, we we were able to do that, and um, who knows if that really had an impact or not. Like you said, some guys are so good that they can kind of make or miss, and it's, it's it might be more on them than, than on us, but Um, Yeah, we feel like we did a a pretty good job on him.
1: So, obviously, we all went nuts on that inbounds pass and Bogdanovich hitting the three. The thing that I thought was unusual (laughs) is you raise your hands. You don't move as if you made the shot, and he runs to you. It's supposed to be the other way around where you run to him and hug him. But you stood up. Obviously, you knew it was going in, and he ran to you. Didn't you find that unusual? That was sort of backwards.
4: Um, I guess it was backwards. I didn't really <laughs> think about it <laughs> So As soon as I entered, um, I think we all Obviously with our team we knew the couple options we were looking for And um, The first one Was Donovan on, on the log Like a, the log on the back door And that wasn't there and the next one was Boyard And that either cutting either way up to the top Or to the corner and I think as soon as I threw it in And, and saw that he had A bit of space I think we all knew within our team and and probably a lot of the fans do that if he got a a good look and and got the shot off I think we all thought it was going to go in and um, yeah I just felt very confident about it once I threw it in and um, was obviously extremely happy that we won the game and obviously happy for him for making the shot but um, yeah I'm definitely not taking any credit for the pass or the shot or putting my hands in the air I think it was just a, a I don't know it was just a reaction and I think as soon as it went in, we kind of, me and him had eye contact and he kind of started running. And I was like, well, I may as well save my legs. He's a bit younger than me. <laughs> he, uh, he can run to me.
0: I love the way you say we all knew I was going in. This goes back to the point that the Jazz are front and center here and every little thing gets scrutinized for better or for worse. But there are Jazz fans at Channel 2 who wanted to Watch that shot over and over, and they were looking at it, and so I cue it up for them, and they're looking at it over and over, and they notice, look, Joe's arms are up more than a full second before everybody behind the bucket. But I attributed that to the fact that you've watched him shoot a gazillion shots already, and you know what a good shot looks like from him. And it was like as soon as the ball started to descend, you knew, and the arms were up.
4: Yeah, honestly, and and obviously a lot of fans and and. Uh, certain guys of, of the media obviously might see a little bit of it we, we work on obviously those late game situations all the time and we do it 5-on-5 five five against defence and um, so we obviously know what we're looking for and like you said we I think everyone in the arena once um, he'd caught it and he got a good look and he actually got the shot off. The hardest thing in those situations is actually getting a good shot off a shot that you've shot before and that you feel good about kind of shooting and um, yeah, like I said, as as soon as it left his hands and, and Middleton didn't deflect it or touch it or, or affect his shot at all. Um, yeah, I just I knew it was gonna have a good chance to go in, so um Glad we
1: got the win I'm loving Bogdanovich's play you know we watch him cursory particularly he's not even in the Western Conference we focus a lot of our time on the Western Conference not that so much the Eastern Conference so we you know we see box scores we see him play occasionally the thing that surprised me about him is his ability to take the ball in the on the floor and be so strong and I love that the, the emotion that he plays with we're just barely getting to know him how would you describe him as the type of person that he is
4: probably that exactly kind of how he plays he's he's kind of pretty quiet um, but when, like I guess when, when like he plays with that emotion when he's got something to say or um, it's a perfect example is that, that that late that late game shot that he hit the game when it was I mean he's probably said like 30 words all, all season um, he's a pretty quiet guy but in that time out he, drew up the play and Mike was actually meant to come through to the corner and he was the one that said no no like tell Mike to stay out of the way so we can go either way in in case uh, Middleton top blocks me and doesn't let me go to the top and coincidentally Middleton top blocked him and he could only go to that corner so if the the play was drawn up exactly how originally we were going to uh, Mike would have come through to the corner and Mike and and Bogey would have been the two options but he kind of told him that and Um, that's just how he is. He he understands the game, obviously, (laughs) at a very very high level and he plays um, I think a lot of the Croatians do that and those Yugoslavian Serbians. um, They play on edge a little bit. They play that um, fiery kind of style of of basketball and that's what um, we love about him. He he gets a dunk or or hits a three and um, gets extremely fired up about it, fires a group up. But he's a great guy. He's, He's quieter than me, which is very hard, but he, um, yeah, like I said, he's a, a very intelligent, high hockey player. That um, he's, he's obviously helping us a hell of a lot this year.
0: Isn't everybody quieter than you, Joe? That's why I said. Yeah, he did say that. Okay. I, I, so, so, go ahead. So, how many of these foreign guys do you know? Before they show up, whether they're on an opposing team or on your team, how tight is the network of guys, either from international play or because you played with some of the same people overseas before you got to the NBA?
4: Um, yeah, I mean you, you know them um, more and probably better um, and I think you have kind of an automatic re- uh, relationship um, and so to say because you, you've You've either seen them somewhere, you've either played with them, maybe um, like me and Rick you know, I've played against um, Boyan hundreds of times with Croatia and Australia and stuff like that. So um, yeah, there's an automatic kind of relationship that, that you understand, kind of where where they've come from, what what they've done before being here. And um, obviously, we're we're glad that we're all here and we're able to help the league grow and the I don't know how many different countries and players, and obviously from Australia, having kind of ten, eleven guys here that are that are all contributing on their teams and playing at um, kind of higher levels in, in the NBA is pretty cool for our, our country, and, and obviously they feel the same about their guys from their countries. So um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool to, to play against guys that you've seen or played against before, and um, likewise with I, I feel like we. Every game we played, Donovan says he knows someone or he played with him at AAU or he played high school or he played with him somewhere. So um, it's the same for, for those guys, too, all the Americans that have grown up here and, and played against each other, um, whatever age group they are growing up.
1: Why do the guys celebrate like it's New Year's Eve every time you dunk?
4: Because <laughs> it, it happens once a year like New Year's Eve.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're 6'8". <laughs> What's the big deal? I don't I don't get it, man. I it always goes to, I nuts. Said them
4: after, I said to them the other day it's it's so easy to dunk that obviously it's And said why why waste the energy? Like me running to Boyan when he hits the shot like, when I see him running to me, why am I gonna run towards him? I'm gonna bang heads and both be in the concussion protocol or There you go. Like why would I dunk every time that I can lay it up and miss the layup? <laughs> you got ma- if I dunk more I won't miss layups.
0: You got Magic Johnson on your side in that. He dunked early in his career, and then he decided it was two points to lay it in, and why spend all that energy? He was going to play a lot of minutes, a lot of games. They were making deep playoff runs every year. So you got one of the all time greats on your side in that discussion. Use that.
4: Yeah, I will. That, that, that's why.
0: Joe, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we will uh, talk to you again next week. No worries. Thanks for having me. Joe Ingalls. Joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 the zone with the Jazz off to an 8 and 3 start to the season. Easily one of the best starts they've, or the best start they've rolled out under Quinn Snyder. See if they keep it going. They got Memphis mm-hmm. Friday. The next home game is Minnesota on Monday. And we got tickets to give away. Yak, what have you got? Got a four-pack to the home opener for the Salt Lake City Stars tomorrow night over there at Salt Lake Community College. Collinsworth's
1: on that team, right?
0: Kyle Collinsworth had 19 points last night in their loss. Want to want to go out and take the kids and get some free tickets? Call right now. Caller 12, Yock. Yeah, caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. All right, talk to Yock right now. 855-340-ZONE. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.